You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm Victor, and joining me is William. Hello. How are you doing? Hi. How are you? I am full of the joys of Apple. I am chippertastic. I, I can't believe I just said that word, but I, it's true. So, you know, live with it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually great. Fantastic. I, I want to wish all of our Canadian listeners a belated happy Canada Day. And, oh, yes. uh, and, and of course, for our American listeners, happy Independence Day. Oh, I'd forgotten about that one. It's not a, such a big deal here in Britain for some reason. I, I can't imagine uh, <laughs> why it's not a big deal. What, you guys wouldn't, you know, maximize the fact that you lost the war? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're very odd like that. Yeah. Uh, I see this. Did we lose the war, though? Did we? Really? Mm. So much yes. so that you tried to relitigate it again in 1812 and lost it again. <laughs> okay. I remember it well. Well, I remember it. Okay. Just like last week. Yes. What happened last week? Um, no. Okay. So, oh, Johnny, I've left last week. That that's the big thing. Did something else happen last week? No. No. Nothing. Um, I would like to please just uh, explain the whole "I'm great" thing uh, because I mean that's very nice for me. But I, I'm great because my Mac Mini died yesterday, and Apple are fixing it. And so for a brief while, I was very unhappy and very sad, and I'm still missing it. But Apple's fixing it, and I have a raid in front of me, iPad, iPhone, all sorts of things uh, going on. And I really enjoyed getting them all to work. It's very strange doing your same job in a different way, but there are advantages I'm discovering. So isn't Apple great? Therefore, I'm happy. Yeah, and, and of course, if there are any sort of recording errors or blips that you hear, it's due in part to this strange and unique setup that we're using to record this time. Yes, yes. But yes, that's, that's not why you listen. Why you listen is for the news. And so, I want to tell you all about an unreleased model, A2159. It's a MacBook Pro. Now... The reason that we know about it is that in, in order for a device to be released, it has to pass certifications. Uh, the FCC, CE, and so forth, organizations that regulate how Wi-Fi frequencies work, whether something's an intentional radiator of, of uh, radio frequency or an unintentional radiator and so forth. And so, obviously, when Apple wants to prepare to sell a model, they have to go and seek certification of all these different agencies. And when you do that, you create a public record. And the way this works is that the, the governments understand that no one wants to pre-announce their product, courtesy of the government website, and so the companies ask for confidentiality. But the model okay. number is there, and it's it's the the filings show what it's going to be more or less. Right? We know that it's a twenty one fifty nine. We know that it's a MacBook Pro. We surmise that it's a thirteen inch MacBook Pro. Uh, how do we get the 13-inch bit? Well, there's a drawing that shows where the regulatory label information has to be located. Oh, I see. Right. And the, uh, the drawing looks a lot like a 13-inch just based on the proportions from the feet to each other. So you measured the feet in the drawing. That is so clever. I wish I'd thought of that. Well, I mean... Yeah. the. 
I, it's possible that they could submit an inaccurate drawing, but it doesn't make sense. It's just as easy for them to use the real drawing. And you, they, they make this up anyway because they have to make the label locations for the manufacturing. Right. Right? And so they've already made that drawing for the manufacturing. They may as well just reuse it for the filing. So it's entirely likely that this is a 13-inch. Only, I mean, you said people listen to the news. I listen to learn things because um, you know a lot about this stuff that I don't. And one of the things... I, I knew about FCC regulations. I didn't know that there was a confidentiality bit, but it seems a bit rubbish if, you know, we won't tell anybody anything except that it's a MacBook Pro and it looks like this. Yeah, you know, when the car comes out, are they just going to show a steering wheel and things like this, or apparently not? Well, I, I, I mean, Johnny Ive had made up a model of the car using wooden leather that had no steering wheel at all. He wanted it to be controlled by Siri. Yes, Yes, which is interesting. But uh, I've the confidentiality thing. Uh, did uh, was it the FCC, whoever it is? Uh, do they just put in more detail than they usually do? Because I remember seeing lots of things before. I've written well, about things where just model numbers, the A, whatever's, have been listed. So when, know. when oh. a product is not in confidentiality with the FCC, you get pictures of the product and its testing. And so you get pictures of the product as it is when it comes out of the box, you get pictures of the product in their lab showing their test setup. You get pictures of the product where they disassemble it, showing parts of the antennae and things like that. And so oh, okay. it's it's uh, a little bit more involved here. And because they've requested confidentiality, all we have is the model number and that it's a MacBook Pro. Okay. That makes sense. I'm just surprised that we even know it's a MacBook Pro. But, well, we know uh, that because the engineer who filed the uh, the the test from apple wrote in his letter mm. that it's a right letters well let me let me go ahead and pull this up okay i will pull this up here um where are we oh, heavens uh, i have to go back to yesterday here I'll, I'll edit this bit out just for a moment um Right, so the letter says, To whom it may concern, we, Apple Incorporated, are applying for an FCC grant for a single certification of the device MacBook Pro. The MacBook Pro Model A2159 is a laptop computer with built-in IEEE 802.11a, b, g, n, a, c radio, and Bluetooth radio. Okay. Right. So some room for doubt, but uh, yeah. I mean, that's okay. that's the important information. And also, we know that they've only labeled all the way through AC. So this does not have AX, which is the, the next form of Wi-Fi. Okay. Sorry, this is slightly off the topic, but it just makes me think. Um, do we know, Is there must be a, a typical timescale uh, from filing to release. Does this mean we can calculate uh, the earliest time Apple could bring this out? Well, so they have requested confidentiality through December 27th, 2019. Right. Now, obviously, likely week to release it. So. Well, they can break the confidentiality whenever they want because it's their product. But they've asked oh, the right. government to keep quiet until that time. Okay. So, I presume that's normal. I mean, There's nothing more. Seemingly. 
Right, so there's nothing more to be gleaned from that date. Uh, odd that it's the 27th, not the 31st. But uh, no, sorry, well, I'm turning into a, a teenager examining a text message uh, from a girlfriend or boyfriend or something, you know. He said, ooh, one at the 28th. This is not digital forensics by Interpol. This is, they filed a request for confidentiality. They probably, you know, you, you can probably do something, and I'm just guessing here, FCC confidentiality for, say, a period of six months. Oh, I see. Of course. And no, so, you must be right. That makes sense. So yes. if you can, then it's yeah. just bump six months from the day that they filed the thing, and, and more or less that's what you get, right? Yes. It's it's enough. not – there's no magic to that date, I expect, other than it just happens to be when the end date is that they could get for the time period for confidentiality. I'm currently involved in a drama project based on some documentation that is not allowed to be released for 50 years, and it comes out on some odd date in whatever that time. Yes. Yeah, and there's no magic yes, about that, that date. It's just 50 years hence. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's going to be a new MacBook. I would say it's probably likely this is a fall release because it's going to be a good time to get them in before Christmas sales, right? You'd want to do that. And we know that we have a fall event for iPhone or at least we anticipate strongly that there's going to be a fall event for iPhone. So it, it makes sense that they could go ahead and announce this at the same time. They don't usually announce iPhones and books. Actually, I, I mean, they could do it at the same time. You. They could put it, do two separate events, but you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I would say that if the confidential expires in December, that they would want to do this probably September, October, so that they can go ahead and pick up plenty of Christmas sales. What I was going to ask you was, uh, apart from uh, the obvious Christmas sale thing, is the MacBook release cycle as uh, predictable as the iPhone one is? No. The, the MacBook release cycle is beholden to a bunch of other outside factors, and those factors are things like supply chain stuff, whether or not storage is available or memory is available, and, and you know, storage factories have hit by power outages, and so they've lost exabytes of usable storage, which was a story that we had a while uh, back this week. Yeah. And they're also subject to whether or not Intel has speed-bumped processors because you don't want to release a model with the same processor. So it makes sense to revise it based on what Intel's made available. And so it's, uh, or, or as well, graphics adapters, right? Oh, right. Okay. So, you know, you, you're, you're subject to these very different moving parts from a bunch of different vendors who supply parts that are used. Um, AMD and the graphics adapters, Intel and the processors, the different storage companies different memory companies. And and so you have to balance what the machine is going to be. You've decided a, a year in advance, two years in advance, what you want the machine to be based on those people's roadmaps. Have they delivered? Right? Right. You don't think Apple's also keeping an eye on my savings account? Given their privacy policy, I would say that it's much more likely <laughs> Facebook is keeping an eye on your savings account and Amazon Alexa are keeping an eye on your savings account. Well, as long as someone is, because I'm doing a rubbish job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're myself. sure not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Uh, are you interested? We've talked about MacBooks before, and you've done all sorts of things with older models. Um, might you be in the market for a MacBook at that time of year? Uh, my, my bank account tells me no. <laughs> um, I'm currently using the 2014 MacBook Pro, and it's aging and, and suffering a little bit here and there. Um, I think... 
primarily it needs a new battery. The uh, Oh, there's a follow-up that I have. Remember I'd said earlier uh, a few weeks ago I was getting a MacBook Air for my daughter? Oh, yes. Yes. How did that go? Well, that turned out great. I upgraded the storage in that. Um, I put in a one terabyte NVMe drive using a small adapter from NVMe to the Mac SSD connector. And I had been warned. I had been warned by Mike Worthley that it was not going to work. Okay, Mike Worthley, like the biggest hardware geek I know, if he tells me something isn't going to work, I don't even bother trying. But you did. I did. And it worked. And I was right. Okay. <laughs> no, a it, dear diary moment. Yeah, think, well, <laughs> so, so classically, when you used to do that kind of thing, you had to use Terminal and make changes to the way that Mac OS X hibernated or slept. And... Obviously, that's not desirable. You really want the machine to be hibernating and sleeping and, and taking advantage of its power management capabilities. And in this case, I didn't do that. I, I installed the drive. I put it in. First of all, Mike didn't believe that the adapter would work because he said the connections were not one-to-one. -one. It turns out they are. And he was concerned about sleep. And I, I went ahead and put it in. And I didn't make any of the changes to, to Mac OS X. And it just worked. And it sleeps fine, and it, it uses power the same way as it always has. It's recognized as an NVMe drive in System Profiler, and uh, it's going great. Now, I can't say what compatibility would be like with other manufacturers' NVMe drives, but I know that the Crucial 1 terabyte did the job. But yeah, you said you, you did this for your daughter, didn't you? So she's the one who's dealing with it day to day yes is it is she actually some incredible hardware genius who also knows terminal and can fix all the mistakes you haven't noticed you've left her with well no i mean she she is a genius but she is a genius with pixelmator and with audacity and audio editing okay all right and so she hasn't touched Terminal, but she is doing all kinds of wonderful things with her own podcast, which is the Scout Tech Podcast. And uh, I recommend people listen to it. Well, uh, hang on. I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember from a few weeks ago. This was going to be a birthday present. Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, has her birthday been? Has she actually got it then? Yes, she has. Okay. And she's very, very pleased. She is now 14 and she was exhilarated. Excellent. All right. Okay. Now, I, I wanted to tell you, so we, we published a story today about HomePod, and I sort of say today, it's Wednesday, July 3rd, HomePod, hey, Siri responses to AirPods ads. And, and so what's happening is that Apple device owners, people with HomePods, are complaining that the latest AirPods commercial triggers Siri in HomePods when the actor says, hey, Siri. Okay. And, of course, you oh. just hear it trigger in my phone there. <laughs> um, you know, there's a, a fellow on Twitter who says, Hey, Apple, I really don't like your new black and white commercial for AirPods. When the guy puts it on and says, Hey, Siri, my HomePod starts playing the crappiest music I've heard in my entire life. <laughs> I love how somebody on the TV can control my HomePods. Yes. Okay. Now, this, this is not the very first time that this has happened. Uh, in April of last year, there was a commercial for NBA TNT that took advantage of the the uh, verbal phrase. And so people triggered Siri saying, show me the NBA schedule. Now, okay. Apple regularly airs commercials that feature the use of Harris, Hey Siri, although the complaints don't usually happen as much as they have for this campaign. 
Now, you have an Amazon Echo, don't you? Yes, I do. Yes. Do you find well, that Echo Dot. do you find that Amazon Alexa commercials trigger your Echo Dot? Uh, I can't remember the last time. Oh, hang on. I have seen Alexa commercials and they didn't trigger it. All sorts of other things do. It just sits there with its light looking like, yes, but it hasn't actually said much. Um, why is that then? How does, how would do you, they do would it? you like to know? Well, so there's there are people that have noticed that Amazon commercials do not trigger the device. Or if they do, that it wakes up and then ignores what is said. So what's happening is that the Echo is processing the wake word, searching the audio spectrum, and if it's significantly quieter in the range of the 4,000 hertz to 5,000 hertz, it doesn't respond to the word. And so people tested this by going ahead and getting the, uh, the video from YouTube with the advert and then playing the voice recording of the same name in Audacity. When looking at the two the spectrum was significantly quieter in the range of 3,000 to 6,000 hertz. And in some of those recordings, those frequencies appeared to even be non-existent. In others, it looked like the boosted surrounding frequencies were there. So following that, the experiment is getting an Audacity plugin to make a band stop filter. And the person found that when they took a recording of someone saying the wake word and ran the plugin centered on 5,200 hertz at half an octave, Echo would not wake, even sitting right next to the speakers. I thought a band stop filter was putting your head around the recording room door and saying the bar's open. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is very clever stuff then. So it's really, it is very clever of Alexa to ignore those things. It's really nice that they had figured out how to do that. Because obviously if you're running Super Bowl commercials, the last thing you want to do is trigger 60 million households <laughs> devices, right? Well, the idea of uh, Amazon receiving orders from 60 million people, that I could see them being tempted. Oh, but hang on, hang on, hang on. There's one thing I don't understand, Inspector. You said people are complaining about Apple's Siri commercial this time more than usual. Is there some difference with this and other ones? I haven't analyzed that. It's curious, isn't it? Well, there there are a couple of questions there, right? Do more people own HomePods? Have more people upgraded their iPhones? Uh, have you know, yes. there, there are variables that have taken place across the time period. We don't know if it's the same sample set or not. I can tell you that, you know, because I write on Apple Insider, quite often I am trying to uncover something. Um, I'm trying to check out how you fix something, whatever, with my iPhone or my Apple Watch. I have to leave the house to say the Siri word, or my HomePod in my office will respond. I've practically got to leave the, the postal districts to be certain that it won't hear. The ears on this thing are amazing. They are, but one of the questions is, should it be the one responding when your phone or your watch are on you, right? Is there some work to be yeah. done about improving which one answers the request? Uh, I know Apple talks about doing all these clever little chats between the devices to calculate what's the most likely, but I have had um, watch, iPhone, uh, and HomePod all react uh, to my voice at the same time uh, when they've been next to each other. So, yes, I would li I'd, I'd like some work done on that, but I would also like when I do want the HomePod to go for my iPhone to not light up like it thinks, <gasps> oh, okay, like just somehow. Sort that out, please. Hmm. It's very distracting seeing this flash from the side because I think a call's coming in and I, 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 I leap to the phone because I'm like that. Yes, you are. Okay. I really am. Speaking of leaping to the phone, do you do a lot of FaceTime video calling? 
Uh, quite a bit, actually. Yes. What yeah. about you? Uh, I do less, but people in my family do quite a lot. And one of the but things... But you. Rarely. Okay. Right. Very rarely. But it has cut down the long-distance phone bill phenomenally. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, the, the, the concept, you remember when we were kids and, and our parents would say, get off the phone, it's costing money. And old math problems in, in, in math textbooks were things like, the cost of a call to this location is 43 cents a minute. How long are we going, how long can the call go on before they have to pay $100, right? All of that stuff is completely not useful knowledge anymore because of things like FaceTime calling. The cost of a long distance phone call has gone away. I must be exactly the right age that I remember that sort of conversation, but I never had a maths problem like that. Oh, and I'd get God, the extra I hated one. those got maths. maths. You've just got math. So, phew. Yeah, I hated those math more problems. But because it's plural. Exactly. <laughs> Mathematics. This is what we're saying. We just do uh, more here. Yeah. Okay. So, right. that's a really good point. That's radically changed the it, world. Really, it, it really it? has. Yeah. 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 Goodness. And... It's about to change again, because you've noticed on your video calls, where are your eyes? Um, when, you, when you're looking question. at someone and you're looking at the FaceTime call, your eyes are looking at the screen, and so it looks like you're vaguely staring off into the distance. Yeah. I, right? I, you're looking down. I, I take some trouble to position things so that as close as I can, I'm looking at you. When I'm, but yes, I see that, particularly with people talking to me. Yes. iOS 13 in the third developer beta that was just released, goes ahead and modifies your image so that it appears that you're looking at the other person as opposed to looking at the screen. God in heaven. I saw the headline for that, and I um, I had no idea that's what it meant. I took it to be you know, with face ID and unlocking, making it easier that you don't have to look straight on. But no, this is digitally altering your face yes. to... Okay, right. I have no idea where I think. The, what this, I think about this. this stems from a patent at Microsoft or, or work that was done at Microsoft in 2004. And it's, it's coming to fruition here. So it is image manipulation to go ahead and change where your attention is. So hang on, what happens if you and I are on a FaceTime call, uh, you say something that I think... Typical, and I throw a glance at the ceiling for a second. Will it let you see that, or will it hide it? I don't know. The other thing is that there are people who have posted pictures of themselves wearing sunglasses and having the eyes placed on top of the sunglasses weirdly. <laughs> so, so there's probably still some work to be done. But uh, there we have it. It's an interesting feature, and I, I, I think on the whole, it's probably a good thing, although there are some weirdnesses involved like that. It seems like it's only going to work on 10s and 10s Max and maybe 10R, but probably not iPhone 10. Isn't this just one of the cases where the solution is not to be so clever, but instead to just tell people, look at the bleeding camera? Yeah, can't you just say that? Yeah, but it doesn't Save work because you're looking at the person that you're talking to and trying to, to look up yeah. an inch or two at the camera doesn't work. Education, that's what we need. No. No. Oh, look. Could you see me look at the, the Make the technology then? adjust to the user, not the user adjust to the technology. Yeah. I've got a hammer that doesn't adapt to me very well, but okay. 
You hammer in While the morning, you're looking do you? at me, can I just do you hammer in the evening? <laughs> well, it's odd that you should go. I was going to say musical, but yeah, that's being generous. Uh, I just want to take, a, if I can borrow a moment of your time, mm. to say thank you to Rob Matthews. Uh, he wrote an, I wrote an article uh, about you know, things to do with the Apple Music, the the three mixes that it produces, and how you cannot get them back. And I had just I wrote it all because I'd just fallen for a song I loved, and I didn't catch what it was in time, for it went away. And he recognised it from the description and emailed me to say, "So, Rob Matthews, wherever you are, you are a star. Thank you so much. You're very kind." No, I'm very relieved. I mean, genuinely, it was driving me spare. I'd I'd come to a understanding with myself that I would never know and there he is and I've added it to my my favorites my my own favorites doesn't go away playlist so nice really nice and of course I want to thank our listeners Uh, we had a fellow named Stephen Grayman who emailed us who was was asking about different ways that he could make his uh, Mac communicate better with Windows on a network we, we like these kinds of questions. We mm. like these kinds of communications with our listeners. We're really happy that you're out there listening. And I just want to thank people for writing in. Absolutely. I was fascinated with that whole discussion. Uh, for the, the pair of you new things I don't. Like I said, I, I come here to learn. And I did. I'm never going to go recreate that problem. But at least if I hear it again, I'll know to lumber you with the answer. Yeah. And and we're going to continue working on that so that, uh, you know, of course, I, I know I didn't follow through completely on that solution, Stephen. We're going to go ahead and get that done. Um, this is this is the kind of stuff we really enjoy. It's, it's not just yeah. about talking about new features. It's talking about making things more useful or, or making things do the things that we really need them to do. Uh, there's another fellow on Twitter, developer, who has noticed that when he tells Siri to set an alarm for 3 p.m., that if he's already had an alarm at that time that is disabled – that it will create the new alarm, but also create it as disabled. Hang on. Whoa, wait a second. That's my problem. Someone else has got that. I've been talking with Apple support about this, and they couldn't figure it out. Uh, whoa, hello. Hang on. Did I mention it on Twitter? Is that where you've got the... Am well, I the guy no, you didn't mention it on Twitter to me, but but in fact, um, Daniel Jalkut, who is the developer of Mars Edit and Red Sweater Software, mentioned it on Twitter. Oh, that is so interesting. I mean, mine's slightly different. I have spotted that, but there are other times when it doesn't engage the alarm when I don't have one. But that's I, I searched and searched for answers to that. And I feel weirdly better that someone else has got it. Well, there were people who, who were responding saying things like, you know, maybe you ought to use reminders instead. And my answer is, wait a minute. You know, if you tell the device to set an alarm for that time, in what world does it make any sense that the alarm would be disabled? Yeah, absolutely. To their credit, Apple support said exactly that. Um, I was giving up on it, and they were saying, no, got to fix it. You can't have this happening. Well, so if you've got Feedback Assistant and you can prove that it also happens in iOS 13, file a bug on it. Okay. I haven't, and I can't, so I won't. Was I talking to you? I was talking to our myriad number of listeners out there. Okay, it's hard to tell when you're not looking at me straight (laughs) in the eye. Well, that's what FaceTime autocorrection will help with. Or the hammer. Okay, yes. I'm not sure who's getting hit with the hammer there, and I hope it's not me. (laughs) Suddenly I've become a hardware guy, but from a different type of hardware store. This is, oh, help. (laughs) All right, in in world news, HP, Microsoft, Google are following Apple and considering 
cuts to their Chinese production. Mm. Why is I this? I wrote about this. Well, so tell me more. Well, you would think President Trump and President, I don't know how to pronounce them, forgive me, the uh, name of the Chinese uh, president, but the two of them had a truce and it makes no difference. All of these companies are planning to move uh, out of China in large part because of the tariffs and the trade disputes, uh, but there are other uh, price issues concerned. Um, you mentioned uh, a few of the companies there, but um, the Asian publication Nikkei uh, just lists this ream of every company you've ever heard of, really. Some of which are confirming it, most of which have highly placed sources. They're all, on average, trying to move about 30% of production away from mainland China to Taiwan, Indonesia, Vietnam, all sorts of places. Malaysia. And Malaysia, yes. Um, Wisconsin, no, that's another story. Uh, nice, but, very yeah. nice. Yeah, it's it's significant enough that China is, is really going to be affected by all of this and, and the thing is what the word that's coming back is that this will not change uh obviously nobody believes in the truce because things have been very temporary in this dispute so you wouldn't bank millions on it not reversing suddenly but it's like once they've started down that road uh, i mean i recognize this because i'm in britain and we have brexit i was about to say yeah. that are leaving yeah um i mean we have areas of britain that uh, were incredibly reliant on very big international companies that are now leaving. And the, they're never going to come back. It doesn't matter what happens. Uh, so the degree of uh, suffering we're going to have from this terrible thing. But uh, yeah, so you can you can understand it. They're all investing it. One thing I thought was a little odd when I wrote the story was, uh, as you go through who says what when, uh, it does seem that Apple has been doing it for at least as long as anybody else. But there's one analyst, uh, somebody, unnamed source in the supply chain, saying that actually Apple is the last company, all the rest are miles ahead. But that doesn't seem to be borne out by the dates and figures of degrees of planning that are involved. But it, basically everybody is moving out of China. And uh, except one. No, of course, there's Apple themselves. Haven't they just announced, uh, this is a separate thing, they've said the Mac Pro will be built in China. Well, so it's not being yeah. made in the United States, that's for sure. No, no. I was fascinated by the reasons it wasn't. The problems with not having the right screws. That was affecting the last Mac Pro. Yeah, the, for the smallest, for want of a horse, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. The interrelationship of all these things. Right. What we know is that once companies have begun investigating this and begun discussing it, and there's an economic motivator to do it, they don't come back. You, no, you, you, although, you'd have to create a situation that would be a tax giveaway or a huge amount of you, – you'd have to create the reverse incentive to try and lure them back. Yes. And you couldn't do it immediately because it wouldn't be believable. No. So, so, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, England – can make themselves the most attractive place on earth and companies will move back, but it will still take another decade after that for the impact to really happen. Not to get political, but when Brexit was first announced, the people who are in favor it, and obviously there are a lot of people who are, they were promising wonderful times. But now those same people are saying we'll get by in a few years, like 30 like, or stuff. So, you know. It's it's a suicide I'm not pact. That up it's a suicide pact. We're going to do this thing because we said we were going to do it, no matter how bad it gets. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Have you got any room in your house? Um, 
I mean, I I can host your Echo Dot, um, but I'm I'm not quite able to host you and Angela for very long periods of time. Okay, <laughs> you're welcome to visit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, that's okay. That's okay. Just back over. That's fine. Fine. Yeah. Uh, never mind. No, it'll be all right. Okay. You'll find somebody else to join you on the podcast. I know. You say that, and yet you're here every week. Yes, I really still am the stand-in for Mike, though. I mean, my guy's phenomenally busy. This is one week where it would have been great to have him back on. You could have had that discussion about the MacBook. Uh, Meh. I mean, I might not have understood it, actually, No, I, you know, you I like Mike would. a lot, and I'm really glad that he gave me that advice. And I'm also really glad that I tried it anyway. Okay. Are now, you doing other things you shouldn't, like installing beaters uh, on your working machines and things like well, that? Well, so this was a discussion you and I had with, with Mike a little bit on uh, Slack the other day. Um, mm. As a part of Back to the Mac going away, mm. what are the valid options for remote less, remotely accessing a Macintosh? And, and, of course, the best answer from, for remote access from outside in the Internet in the world would be Apple Remote Desktop. Yeah, have you used that though? I have. Right. But uh, but in in other machines and in other instances, I have used screen sharing. Now screen sharing is meant to be local only and is best used local only. However, if you do things like set up a VPN to at your house and then connect to that VPN and then use VNC with a port forwarding rule you can access screen sharing from outside in the world. And the VPN is what's really making it more safe. Um, it's not necessarily as good as using Apple Remote Desktop. Mike recoiled in horror when I told him I was doing this. But things are possible. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I use, I can't remember that, I've been trying to find the name of the company. There's a Mac app called Screens that I use regularly mm -hmm. i mean i'm so lazy i've used it from one room of the house to the other uh, i love that and doing it and i don't have to do much fiddling around like this kind of thing that you do but you like the fiddling around well so. it's just been doing it that way so long it makes sense hmm. now, obviously if you didn't have a vpn mother, in place i certainly wouldn't advise yeah. it because obviously you want to protect your connection and protect your security that way Speaking of things that my 89-year-old mother would just casually do, VPN, maybe a bit of Swift programming. Of course, uh, I yeah. just I just gave her Apple Music on her iPad, and she's ecstatic. You know, it's just so keen on listening to uh, all sorts of pieces of music. It's a really lovely thing. You don't appreciate sometimes how amazing Apple things are. Well, that's interesting you say that, because... The Apple Music interface regularly gets uh, talked about as being not the most useful, not the most helpful. It's it's it rather confusing. Uh, you know, when you show something to somebody else, you suddenly see a problem, and there is one. But actually, she just copes with it better than I do in that one case. Nice. Yes. Yeah. And, and then, of course, the numbers for Apple Music are boosted by the different cell phone carrier partners. And, and partnership deals that they have. They have 60 million users, but some of that is inflated because the offerings are just there, right? If you got free Apple Music with your cell phone carry, of course you'd sign up. Sure. Right? Yes. So it's... But it's that's not too down a wonderful service. I love my Apple Music. So eh, there. I'm, I'm mixed. I've had good <gasps> and bad experiences with it. Right. Goodbye forever. 
Well then, in that case, <laughs> speaking about about iPhone users and being hazy on features or things like that, and and Apple Music is one of those things I think that could use for a lot of improvement. Uh, U.S. iPhone users are a little bit hazy on which phones are compatible with 5G. And Sorry, I've got a break from it. I've got to tell you, this has to be the last thing. Cause it is. It really is. Okay. In that case, I can understand that, though. Isn't there a story? I, I mean, it's nobody's job to pay attention to whether they've got what G. They just, you know, when you're buying it, you worry about it then and you hope it worked. But isn't there a thing somewhere in the States, somebody has got phones that actually say on the screen they are 5G and they're not? Well, so there's, there's AT&T, which has 5GE which is really just 4G LTE relabeled. Those fibbers. Yeah, are they, they are. Are thinking people won't read to the end of 5GE? And we'll just They're thinking people excited. will say 5G, 5GE, it's got 5G in and it must be the same. Okay, I'm not immune to that sort of logic. Yes, I could well believe it too. Yeah. But fortunately, I've got you to learn from. So there, there are two it's parts to this survey that was done, right? The first was just having people identify which model of iPhone they actually have. And when asked Everyone. to identify which smartphone they have, which one they own by image. Only 40%, 44% of iPhone XR and iPhone 7 orders could spot the correct photograph. Mm. It gets a little bit higher for... cases, don't they? So, well, but yeah, I mean, you know, it gets a little bit higher for people with iPhone 8 and, and a little bit higher for iPhone 10 and 10s. But people who had the Samsung Galaxy S9 Plus were able to identify it 71% of the time. Really? No. Wow. Yeah. Okay, now that surprises me. Uh, nothing against Samsung. It just uh, we care about the phones. I would imagine most people don't. As long as they do what they want, mm -hmm. why would you care? I don't care about how a car looks. For example, I wouldn't be able to name a car from could, it. Could so you find your fun, car in the parking lot? Uh, a good ninety percent of the time, yes. Okay, yes. this but is the same always. problem. Can you pick your phone out of a picture of your phone? Hmm. Hmm. I would have said it's different, except clearly for Samsung users, uh, it isn't. That is that is really interesting to me. Yeah. Okay. And on top of that, people don't really know the features that their phones have. So only 14% of owners of 10R, 10S, 10X, and, and, and iPhone 10 knew that they had NFC capabilities. Sure. Yeah. Because we don't really talk about NFC. We talk about Apple Pay. We talk about uses, not the technology behind it. Okay, but that's just the way I think. I don't look at the specs. It's what can I use it for? So uh, I'm well on the side. I couldn't tell you which processor is in my iPhone. I can just tell you how great it is. Yeah. So, so Samsung owners were more likely to believe that they had a 5G device than iPhone owners. Per carrier, AT&T had the most iPhone users who thought they were 5G ready. And that's because, no surprise there, AT&T has been saying that they're 5GE. Okay. So... Fibbing yeah. wins. Yeah. Mm. Eighty-six percent of people who spent more than five hundred bucks on a device felt that the price was worth it. So good. I wonder what the top tier of that is. Um, just five hundred and above. Uh, I wonder if it tails off around the say, for example, eleven hundred mark that I appear to have paid for mine. I don't know that. What I do know is that 60% thought they could save up to $300, $400 by buying a refurbished model over a new version, but only 6% admitted to owning such a device. 
51% said they'd, they'd considered purchasing a, a refurb device in the future. But, you know, what, what you own and what you've done speaks a lot louder than what you'd say you'd consider. Yes. Right. I'm really pushing it. I've got to go. Yep. Can we this, is, this has been the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm Victor, and joining me is William, who's done this incredible setup with iPads and iOS devices to try and record this week. Thank you so much for making the effort. William, Tell us where we can find you on the internet. Uh, it depends whether the recording worked or not. Uh, if it can't, then you won't. I'll just hide. But if you can, I'm at W Gallagher on Twitter and William at AppleInsider.com. Fantastic. I'm Victor Marks. Join us again next week. And in the meantime, go ahead and listen to Scout Tech, uh, anchor.fm slash Scout Tech or Scout Tech on iTunes. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next week. Right. And thank you very much. Stopping everything. 